Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode two of the Audio Roulette podcast, the only podcast on the internet where you can listen to an 18-year-old review your favorite albums and explain it in a roundabout way about how it relates to his life in some way, shape, or form. I am Michael Riccardi, your host, and welcome back. We are in week five of quarantine uh, for most of Texas. That means that you are now able to leave your homes and go to restaurants and eat in there as long as they haven't reached the 25% capacity max. Same thing with movie theaters. Uh, For me, that means I am in another week of isolation because of my mom's illnesses, so I'm stuck uh, not going anywhere, which is fine. I have too much shit to do anyway. It's finals week, and I'm just stuck in this horrible, horrible place of stress and the inability to change anything about that. Does that have dust on it? No, I think it just deteriorated. Sorry, I'm in a new setup. Uh, My desk is usually at the end of my bed, and now I am facing a wall with a ton of posters and a really bright light that hurts my eyes that I got to work on. Uh, Anyway, uh, I hope everybody's quarantine life is going well. Uh... I'm really happy with the feedback I've had from last week's episode. A lot of people were really happy that I did go into the origin of the uh, artists that I'm talking about had to explain. So that was really cool to have. Uh, I got a lot of suggestions for a soundboard. And uh, to that, I say um, I would need a partner that makes it where I can be funny to warrant having a soundboard. Anyway, this week on my... Instagram story. If you don't know my Instagram handle, it is the real Michael Riccardi on Instagram. Uh, it should be in the description of the podcast as well. But just look me up, and you can vote on what happens in the podcast and get updates for it. Um. Anyway, everybody voted between "My Turn" by Little Baby and "Iridescence" by Brockhampton, and a nine to one. Everybody wanted Iridescence by Brockhampton, which I was really happy about. And I just realized everything may be spiking because I left my phone by my audio interface. So I am sorry for any crackling. Uh, I'm really happy that Iridescence got chosen because I got into Brockhampton a couple months ago when uh, my buddy Nate, or Indie Beats, also on Instagram, makes all my beats for my music, um, he showed me gold off of their Saturation 1 album. And that song is a total fucking banger on there. Um, then he also showed me Fight off of Saturation 2, also a banger. But so that's how I got into it. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, you know? Um, I then was looking up videos probably two weeks ago. Yeah, I think it was about two weeks ago, and I was looking up uh, music videos, you know, like Gold... I was looking up a fight music video. Gold had a pretty decent music video, but fight, there was nothing. So I started looking up live videos to try and find it. And that also came up with nothing. Uh, But in my attempt to find something, I ended up clicking on like this giant festival that they were headlining or whatever. And uh, when I clicked on it, it was, here, let me adjust my mic a little bit because I feel like y'all can't hear me. Maybe you can and I'm just stupid. But there we go. Now I can relax and y'all can still hear me. Uh, okay, or not. If I just get it right there. 
No, that doesn't work. If I get it right there. Oh, cool. It just moves. Uh, anyway, uh, they had a song playing that ended up being New Orleans. And I was like, oh, shit, this is a banger. So I decided to go and listen to it. And it was off of Iridescence, which is an album I don't hear Nate or anybody really talk about. And I was like, oh, well, I really like Nor- New Orleans. So let's just try out Iridescence. And let me just say, um, I haven't listened to all of Saturation 1 or all of Saturation 2 or 3 or Ginger in its entirety at all. But I can already say I love Iridescence. It's probably going to be my favorite Brockhampton album. It's just it's just really good. And so when I went to go find vinyl records of it, because uh, those of you that have been following my Instagram story or friends in real life, uh, know that I now have an addiction to buying vinyl records uh, back in 2014 until about 2017, late 2017, I had an addiction to buying band shirts. And then I decided to not do that because it was really bad. And then I started buying CDs. And then that didn't get as bad until vinyl records came around. And then I'm still waiting on one to get here. I've already ordered two in the last like three weeks. So, you know, it's whatever. But I was looking up vinyl records to see if I get it because I wanted to hear the vibe on a record player. And I was reading the reviews and everybody was saying that it was the weakest album from Brockhampton. And immediately I got defensive. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? What are they saying? And I just couldn't believe it. So I started diving in. And this is actually the album I wanted to make the first week of the podcast be on. But I didn't want to rush it. I wanted to have a little bit more time to you know, plan out what I was going to say, defend it, all that. And so, here we are. So, as I did last week, I'm going to dive into the history of Rockhampton and catch them all the way up to Iridescence. A little bit farther is like Ginger and stuff, which I have a little bit of information on. But I really just wanted to get like, you know, the gist of the origins um, for the album at first. Uh, So, I guess we'll just jump right in. Uh, Brockhampton was a rap group, or as they call themselves, boy band, that started back in 2010 with Amir Vaughn, Kevin Abstract, Merlin Wood, and... God, who else? I have it right here. See, I, I, I started keeping this up. Matt Champion. No. Maybe? Okay. So long. I know Amir Vaughn, uh, Mir Van, Vaughn, whatever... Uh, Kevin Abstract and Merlin Wood all grew up in um, San Marcos, Texas. Or was it? God damn it. I'm fucking myself up. I'm going to say something Cedar Rapids, Texas, Grand Rapids. Let's see. It's right here. No, it was San Marcos. I was just dumb and decided to fucking mess that. Anyway, they started in 2010 uh, in San Marcos, Texas. And it all started with the uh, Kanye Live online forum, which later got changed to Kanye to the online forum. Uh, in there, Kevin Abstract made the post, and I watched a couple videos of them uh, talking about it. And apparently, Kevin Abstract made the post, and anybody that responded immediately got added into the band or group, whatever. And so they ended up releasing an EP called ASF. I believe. Yeah, I think I think it was ASF. Mm, 
S C A S F E P. See, I'm second guessing myself when I shouldn't. Uh, they released that in 2013, and it was because they named the group Alive Since Forever. Well, um, for some reason, they decided to disband and rebrand as Brockhampton at the end of 2014. And in January of 2015, after going back to the Kanye to the online forum to you know kind of flesh out their group a little bit more, they rebranded themselves as Brockhampton and released their debut single, uh, Bet I. Now, uh, the group, which at this very moment in time consists of 13 total members, which is kind of crazy. Uh, it's kind of like, whoa, slow down there, Slipknot. Uh, they uh, consist of Kevin Abstract, Matt Champion, my boy, uh, Merlin Wood, Dom McLennan, uh, Joba and Bareface, who are the vocalists and producers. Joba is a fucking G. Uh, producers are now Jabari Manwa, Ramil Hemnani, uh, and Kiko Murley. Um, they have a their own personal graphic designer known as Hinak HK Seleshi. Photographer Ashlyn Gray, web designer Roberto Antinient, uh, and manager John Nunes. Uh, so at this time, they began working on uh, just working on music. They released a slew of singles uh, before finally uh, announcing Saturation, which was uh, Saturation 1. They led off with some singles like Gold and Swim and stuff like that. And uh, all of the music videos were shot and directed by Kevin Abstract himself. And on June 8th, they released uh, Saturation. Two really good, um, what is it, reception? I think that says acclaimed reception, whatever. Uh, as a music reviewer, I should know all this. Um, anyway, they began immediately working on uh, Saturation 2, their sequel saturation one and on there had my personal favorites uh fight and queer on it um and on august 25th 2017 they released that as well to really good reception acclaim all that stuff um then they announced in september i think september 13th oops sorry um that they were finishing out saturation three and it was going to be a trilogy. They were going to have a box set full of uh, unreleased demos and like music videos and stuff like that. What happened during this time was they said that it was going to be the final studio album or something like that. And everybody was like, oh, my God, they're ending. Their career just started and they're already ending. And they're like, no, 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 no. We're just – this is finishing out the trilogy. Like, we're still going to make music. So on December fifteenth, two 2017, they released um, Saturation 3. Now – from my opinion, uh, I have not listened to anything off of Saturation 3, but from friends and stuff that I've heard, um, it's kind of the weirdest and weakest out of the trilogy. I don't know that per se. Um, I'm here to talk about their, what everybody considers their weakest album ever. So uh, I'm not one to speak on, especially because I didn't do that research, and I'm not here to talk about that, but... Saturation 3 came out, and it ended out the trilogy. Um, they also announced at that time that they were going to make an album called Team Effort. 
Now, by March 2018, they delayed it, said that it was being delayed indefinitely, and instead, they were going to release a new album titled Puppy in mid-2018. Well, that didn't last long, as shortly after, Amir Vaughn was accused of sexual allegations, abuse and sexual allegations. He apparently um, did say he was guilty of uh, physical and or domestic and verbal abuse, but refused the sexual allegations. And I don't want to get into the politics of that, but he got removed from the band because as the band fell, they were lied to and the trust was betrayed. Uh, he also apparently set up some friends for a robbery and then only told the members after he left or got kicked out. So it's like, oh, um, yeah, you were kind of a piece of shit. Um, now, remember this. Amir Vaughn got kicked out because it comes up in my point that I'm going to make. Um, they debuted the first song off of Iridescence after everything. They canceled all their tours and everything and then came back on Jimmy Fallon and played uh, Tanya off of it with a few other singers. Uh, I don't mean to offend anybody, but I can't remember their names. Um, debuted it and then announced that they were going to be releasing Iridescence. And Iridescence came out on, I have it right here, came out on September 21st, 2018. Hey, that's my sister's birthday. Hmm, cool. And they released the album and then went on tour to support it. And apparently it was their first uh, chart-topping album ever on the Billboard 200. And they were like best live performance, best boy band or whatever at the O2 Arena for award ceremony. And all of this was actually recorded at the Abbey Road Studios in 10, uh, 10 whole days. Now, we are finally at the part where I get to review the album because this one, there's a, lo there's a lot of information and I'm still relatively new to the rap scene, whatever. So like if we were talking about the band issues, I would have every fucking name and everything memorized, the albums, the uh, days they released, all of that. But this one took a little bit of time. I think we're, yeah, we're at 15 minutes. And I think I started talking about this 10 minutes ago, whatever. Anyway, so Iridescence. Iridescence is the fourth album released by Brockhampton. And I think the reason I say it's one of probably my favorite album by them is strictly because of the lyrical content. Now, a lot of people, the reason I think that people don't like the album, well, I guess I'm going to get my bias out of the way first before reviewing it. Um, I think people were really hurt that Amir Vaughn got kicked out. And because of that, people tend to have their views skewered because of that. They let emotion kind of rule it, which, I mean, when it comes to music, I mean, I guess you're kind of trying to be driven by emotion you know you want to feel happier you want to feel sad or you want to feel mad or you want to feel um depressed or whatever it may be you're trying to feel that so i guess in a way leads it but objectively speaking it's a really good album the beats are amazing produced they're weird but weird enough to make it feel different but also to be just total bangers and the lyrical content of it is 
incredibly emotional um, just listening to it. I mean, what brings to mind when I think of that is the song Wait, where Kevin Abstract literally has a line where he says, um, I wrote a poem about um, a dog, one of my dogs or whatever, like a guy he knows, and my uh, shorty was mad that I never shared it. Um, and he felt that he was wrong because, as he said, my girl would take her bra off and my dick got soft. And so it was talking where he felt like there was something wrong with him because he didn't like this because he was gay. He was gay. And he felt off about it. And just that song is amazing in the emotion. Just I remember I heard that and I went, okay, I have chills. Um, this is going to be an amazing album. He also has a song called Something About Him, which I believe is a love song towards his boyfriend. Um, and then just along the way, like Sam Marcus is talking about like where they came from, everything. Um, Loophole is talking about how, you know, they have money now. They don't know what they're, they have money now. They came from like nothing and now they have money. And so they're trying to, like, do everything they can before somebody finds a loophole to get them out of it. So, in my opinion, the album is one of their most emotional releases. Now, I haven't heard Ginger yet. That released a year later, and I haven't gotten around to listening to their whole discography. They're, they're long albums. Like, this one, finally, somebody's understanding what an album is, is 48 minutes long alone. And it's, like, 13 songs, I think. And... No, you're right. No, I can't. Fifteen songs. So it, it it takes a toll, like if you get, you know, halfway in, you're like, okay, I'm I'm a little tired of just listening to this. I'm gonna try something else. Uh with this one, it was a little hard because by the time you get into the final four songs, they're slower songs. And that's when you get into like Tanya, um, Fabrics, and Marcus, um, stuff like that. Uh I think Victim something? Let me see. Fabric, Tanya, Sam Market, Vivid. Oh, and Honey. Forgot about that. Um, but the album just starts like with an incredible high and immediately jumps into Oh, and it's moving again. Sorry, I had to I adjusted things and it went very bad. Um, the album starts at like an insane high with New Orleans, which is a total banger, by the way. And uh little known fact or maybe people knew uh Jaden Smith sings the final chorus right after uh Kevin Abstract does and he is also an unofficial member of Rockhampton so remember that anyway the album starts at like an incredible high with New Orleans and in this song a lot of the members kind of opened up about a lot of pain that they had at least in my case, I know Bareface, um, he's the opening guy that starts with it. Um, I mean, technically the first voice is Matt Champion going, I'm perfectly fine, it's fine. And then he goes in, brother, I can't say that on the mic, but, you know. Um, it immediately starts with this emotional one from Bareface where he's talking about um, music is the only place that he can speak freely, that he feels comfortable speaking freely. And so his entire verse is kind of talking to like people where it's like, hey, why don't you, you know, it's hard, but hop in with it, you know, feel the music, try and get in, which is amazing. And it flows immediately into 
You have an abstracts chorus, which is just really good. Um, apparently, he shows like his love for London, where he wants to go back to London and everything. Uh, Matt Champion starts where it's kind of it's kind of like a flex, but it's also kind of like a reflection with it. Oh, sorry. Um, what's his name? Was it Dom? Or damn it, I was doing so good. Um, I think it was Dom who came in with the Drowning News Rabies. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he comes in with an amazing one. Uh, I just like the um, delivery of it, the cadence. Uh, Matt Champion goes through. Then you have Joba coming with this super hype, insane, utterly insane sounding verse. And where he's talking about, you know, how he got his wings clipped for, you know, he felt like he couldn't go anywhere. And then he learned how to fly without them, which is just badass. I have no idea what the fuck that sound was. My tongue managed to make a fart sound pushing against my lip on the underside of my tongue. So, um, I also have water. So, I won't be dry mouth. And I can wash away the saliva. Um, then it goes into another chorus. And then it ends with Merlin Wood hopping in with the ultimate voodoo man. Hops in and starts talking about why he has issues with religion. And how growing up, he was forced to feel it. Now, I'm a Christian. But I relate heavily to this. Where it's, I don't like organized religion. I don't like it when man-made uh, segregations of God come through and you know make their own interpretations and then decide, oh, we're just going to start banning stuff based on the Bible. And it's like, okay, well, you could just have a relationship with God and he could tell you what's wrong. It, whole other thing, very political debate, especially in the Christian community. But he comes in with that. And that's just the first track. And I'm not going to do that for every track, but goddamn came in. Then immediately goes into like kind of like, you know, growing up, um, being like a thug and like gangs and everything, uh, going into thug life. And then, um, and then it goes into Berlin. I don't remember Berlin very much, but, um, then it starts going into like something about him and where they cash at and wait. Weight and district are the two ones. I'm doing a horrible job at reviewing this because there's so much. I don't understand the message of all of their songs because there is so much going on, which is good. You know, you're getting like six different viewpoints in one song. So they're all getting inspired by the same beat and they all feed off of each other, but totally different directions. But the part that the songs that I really enjoyed was, you know, Weight in district in district it's talking about um you know let me find my way out of this mess and it's kind of like you know you're getting stuck in this lifestyle that you can't really escape from that you're just kind of stuck and you're wanting to escape but you can't really find a way out and weight was kind of along the lines of the same thing where it was talking about actually no that was more about being an outcast where you feel like oh i'm just pushed aside you know, uh, if I don't act this certain way, you know, he was gay, but he was trying to act straight. If I don't act a certain way, I'm not going to be accepted and I'm going to be judged for it. And so he's talking about how he finally had to, you know, 
break free from it. He even talks about how his mom gave him a phone call and said that she he she could feel his energy just kind of dying out slowly, you know? Um, the next couple songs are Loophole and Tape, which, again, I believe are just really talking about their rise to fame, like what happened, because it was sort of an overnight success. I mean, they started in 2014, this group, and, you know, by 2018, you know, only three years after, three-some years after releasing their first single, they're touring the world, headlining stadiums and shit, which is crazy. And I that on the songs, I can hear that where, you know, they're just kind of amazed that they got to this point where they get to just, oh, well, shit. Like the recording they used, which I don't know if it was an interview of them or a different rapper, but it's like, well, you know, I was just taking anything, you know. I wanted music videos. I want my song on the radio. And then I get my check-in. It's like I could buy six cars, which is crazy. It is completely crazy how life happens like that. And then it goes into uh, Jovois, Jovois, Jouvert, some French word. And this song is really hard to, for me to follow, but I remember vividly one part of the song. And it goes, it's from Jova. It says, praise God, hallelujah, I'm still depressed. And for me, that made the entire song. So I don't remember very much past that, but I remember that line because it was like the first time somebody had, and I don't know if he's Christian or not, but it was like the first time somebody had mentioned, oh, um, yeah, I, I'm still a Christian, but I'm still like hella depressed, you know, like I'm worshiping him, but life still sucks down here for me. And I'm sure I can get away from that. And I related to that a shit ton. So I was like, oh, okay. I feel that. And that's all I can really say about the song. I don't remember a whole lot about it. Um, I do know that Joba went like Death Grips style in the song, and that was dope as well. He's probably my favorite member in it. Um, the next five songs are just really slow songs, like Honey, Vivid, San Marcos, Tonya, Fabric. And the theme I was just really getting from it was reminiscent like they were remi- uh, reminiscing about where they came from the life that they had and you know they kind of miss it you know they kind of miss you know just being a kid they kind of miss nobody knowing who they were and that that to me meant a lot to just hear somebody being like oh um yeah we have every we have everything we could have asked for. But, you know, I kind of miss the days when I could just, you know, go home. I miss the days when I can do Because they all moved to Los Angeles. They all took that chance when they made Brockhampton. They all moved to L.A. and got a house together. And now this is where they're at. So it worked, but they had to leave where they were. Which, you know, kind of kind of sucks. Um there is one point I wanted to make with loophole and tape where I was talking about, you know, they're here, you know, they're able to buy like, you know, all the cars they want in new Orleans. Um, the boy Matt champion mentions, uh, this Martin on my body got my sweat lethal. And, um, it was a line thrown about how they now dress fancy and they like it. And I think he was saying, Oh, 
uh, I'm going to fucking just, you know, do my own thing. And I'm going to blow the fuck up. And now everything about me is lethal. You know, I can kill women with anything, you know. Um, th- this kind of sucked as a review um, just because I I didn't really know how to describe it because a lot happens in the album. But the major point I wanted to make with everything was um, the album isn't bad. And I don't think it's their weakest. I think it was an album with a lot of emotion and a lot of symbolism thrown into it, but it was really emotional. And I think that was the point they were trying to get across with it. And so everybody's saying, you know, because even the group puts it at like the bottom. And I don't understand it because you could tell there's a lot of emotion. And maybe they don't like it because, you know, it was an emotional time for them and they. It reminds me of things. But it was just, I don't think it's the weakest. And that's my opinion. I guess I didn't really have a whole lot to defend it besides, you know, like weight and um, Jovois and New Orleans and stuff like that. But I don't think it's the weakest. And I, I, I highly recommend y'all go do it. I think doing a Brockhampton album was awful. It was an awful idea of me to try and do because there is no way without me scouring their lyrics for days and, you know, taking a fucking history test on it, I was not going to be able to get it properly, but, oh, well, I took my stab at it, but there was one more release I did want to talk about, and this one, I definitely know how to explain, I did no research on him beforehand, and that is okay, and that is the hot new album Brooks with two X's by my boy. He doesn't really know who I am, but my boy Jason with an X where the O should be. Now, this dude just worked on this album for apparently like a year and he just dropped this album. It's seven songs and it is fire all the way through. Um, Jason released his first song in 2019 with the release of his song Pay for the View, which was a I'm saying this because it's on Spotify. I don't know if this was really his debut. As I said, I didn't really do a whole lot of research to him. Uh, I found him through Josiah Davis, who was hopping on my Norco track. Um, Josiah Davis has a couple releases that I'd like to review in the future. But anyway, Um, so he did a collaborative song with it, which is called Pay for the View. And it's with another guy called Sinner. I have no idea who he is. Let's take a look real quick. Um, uh, there's a lot of people called Sinner, and I don't think that I'm going to find who he is, but anyway, he made the single and, uh, had a really small discography and he released a lot of songs leading up to the release of this. He released a song called XOXO, which is on the album Promise. And then Hyphen, which was a day before his album, and it's not even on the album. And it's a banger. Okay. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the album Brooks. Every song on it, I have, it was just like the freaking, um, 
just like nicotine, where I just kept listening to it over and over again. And last night, uh, um, it, I was working on my history final for hours. Like I, I looked down and I started at like maybe 1030 or whatever. And I looked down and it was like 12. I was like, okay, you know, I'll work on this for like 30 more minutes. I work on it and I look at the clock again and it's almost 3 a.m. And I was like, oh shit. And I'm just listening to this one in Cinema 7 by Steven Savage and Josiah Davis. I was just on a kick to listen to new rap music. But this one is amazing. From the very first song, the album name song, Brooks, it's immediately talking about his story of coming up from people saying that he couldn't do anything with music, that he wasn't going to be anything with it. And he pretty clearly shows, hey, um, I can do what I want, and I'm doing amazing with it. So immediately goes, Feel My Voice is another one where he's talking about, um, you need to hear who I am. You need to hear all that I am saying. You know, feel it. Don't just hear it. Feel what I am saying to it. It goes into Black Me Back by uh, him and a guy named Cinny. And I've, I've been really stuck listening to Witches, XO, XO, and Cloud9 by him. So, because those ones hit me the hardest. But um, Black Me Back, I believe, is talking about um, him growing up uh, as a black kid. You know, it sounds like a really big cop out, but I promise you. Look, I'll even look up the lyrics right now. And if it's wrong, then uh, I will black me back by Jason. All right. I'm going to look this up. And if it's. uh, And if I'm wrong, then I am wrong. Uh, Wow, I'm just getting nothing but Jason Aldean. Jason Rapper. Okay. Okay. Um, wow. Jason, you, you're really, really new. So there's like nothing on you. Can't read it. Uh, I'm going to go with that story. Um, which is, again, I was listening to it and it was kind of more about like African-American growing up like that. But those aren't the ones I'm wanting to talk about. And I guess as a review, I can tell you, like, Brooks is an amazing one, showcasing all the talent that people said he didn't have. Feel My Voice, Black Me Back, and Witches are amazing hard bangers that's just, like, in the old style where it's like, oh, you're going to hear everything I'm saying and you're going to feel it because my inflection and the emotion I put into it is just going to kill you, right? And Jason, if you ever listen to this, let me know what you're meaning by these songs so I no, for sure. I'm going to keep listening to him, but if I got this wrong, please tell me. But now we're into XOXO and Cloud9. XOXO is a love song, and he's talking about, you know, we should have just stayed friends. And to me, I feel that. I feel that shit hard that you're sitting there and you're like, we should have just stayed friends because when we started dating, when we got together, nothing meant it just went well. It went horribly. It was not what we needed to do. And that hits me hard because I know it's been like six months, but I'm still getting over my last relationship because it was like 13 months and it hurt and it, it still hurts a lot. And I, I relate to that song. Cloud Nine is where, you know, you're you're on top of the world 
and nothing's going to bring you down. And it's just hype as hell. The auto-tune and then the straight rap is perfect on the song. And the beat is amazing. The beat switch at the end, mm, it is tasty. And then you have Promise. And Promise is a really good closer uh, to the album. And if I'm reading the song right, it's promising that this is not the last of them. That he is going to be coming back and he is going to still be sticking around writing music and stuff. And all in all, it is amazing. I mean, it's the best like 20 and a half minutes that you're going to listen to it. You will love it and you will listen to it again and again and again. You will find a new favorite every time. So I highly recommend everybody that's listening to this, go. Go listen to Jason's new album, Brooks. It is phenomenal. And the lyricism is amazing. I've just... I am floored and happy with it. And Jason, I would love to work with you sometime. Like, goddamn, you, oh my God. It is amazing. And I will be bumping this shit forever. Maybe, well, maybe not forever. I would hope forever, but for, for, for a good while in this. For me, that will probably be next three days because uh, I obsess about song. And then it will be one song for like the next two weeks and then... I'll have to give it a break before I do, but it is I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Uh, I have no idea what else I was going to talk about. Uh, oh, okay. So in the aspect of quarantine life, um, I finally have time to you know work on music, like I've been saying. Which I guess I'll put an album update, talk about upcoming music I'm excited for and everything. Um, I've had time to work on music. I've had time to read again. But then also not read again because I just haven't touched a book in a couple weeks. Uh, quarantine really drags on. But I've been doing that. I've been able to play video games. I'm like ranking up hella fast in the Rocket League Rocket Pass. And I am going to get all that shit on it. I am hyped. I am getting good at the game. Happy. And I've played so much Hollow Knight that I've decided I'm going to add a Hollow Knight tattoo. Really, really cool to be you know, doing that, and everything's beautiful about it, and I've been gardening again, but the one thing that I've actually had time to do, which is very surprising, is I've had time to watch TV again. Now, I stopped watching TV back in, like, 2017? Early 2017? No. Yes. No. Maybe? It was sometime in 2017. No, I think it was late 2017. I stopped doing it because I had a girlfriend, and then I got depressed, and then I just didn't want to waste my time with it. I stopped watching like anime and shit like that, and it, it was it was it was a journey. But I started watching TV again, and it was mainly after my family got um, Disney Plus. And dude, I don't know what it is about watching your old childhood shows, but it makes you depressed. Like it makes you sick to your stomach when you finish watching them. Like I watched Wizards of Waverly Place for no. I started by watching uh, Halloween Town 3, uh, Halloween Town High, and then returned to Halloween Town in one sitting, which was amazing. Uh, started watching, I started by christening my eyes with that. And then I immediately hopped into, oh, I'll watch The Sweet Life on Deck. Got a few episodes in, and my sister was watching Wizards of Waverly Place, and I went, oh, I want to watch that. So I started watching that, and I just kept binging and binging and binging and binging. And finally, uh, by the way, it finally 
like reignited that crush I had on Selena Gomez during that time and the crush I had on Bridget Mindler who played Juliet at the time. I was that's not good. That's not good. Especially when you get to the end, you're like, oh, they're my age now. And then you're like, shit, they're like 10 years older than me. Fuck. But I finished watching that and I had like a horrible, sickening feel in my stomach. And I was like, oh, this is awful. I'm so depressed now. I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll watch. Even after watching Alex Returns, I was like, oh, God. So then I decided to go back and watch Sweet Life on Deck. And I binged that and I finished watching that in under a week. And God damn I forgot how much I also had a crush on Bailey Pickett, Debbie Ryan, from that show. But I finished watching it, and, I mean, it just made me hollow. Like, it made me sick, and I don't know what the fuck they do to those things. I don't know if it's like, you know, you're feeling your childhood disappearing. Like, when you were younger, it was kind of like, oh, that sucks, and then you moved on. But then, when you watch them again, you're remembering everything, and you're like, wow, this is one of the last few times that I was, like, genuinely happy. Like, I didn't have a care in the world. And it hurts. Like, The Sweet Life on Deck fucked me up, man. Like, I couldn't... I was depressed. Like, I'm still feeling it, you know? Like, I'm reading shit like, hmm, maybe The Sweet Life on Deck will get back together. Will that be cool? Please? Please, Disney? Don't fuck me up again. You already tried to steal their idea. Just give it back. Please? Please? Like, I'm, 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 I'm serious. Just make bring it back, you know? Let's bring back Wizards of Waverly Place, too. Let's make it where it's in the future. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what we should be doing because those shows were the last of the shows because it surprised me with all the, you know, jokes like they had jokes that would not fly. Now, you know, they had jokes about husband and wife. They had sexist jokes. They had um, stupid jokes. The language, like calling them idiot, calling them dorkwads, calling them uh, morons, uh, just the language was so different than nowadays because now every day now everything has to be super pc and it was like oh okay that's fine but back then they didn't care and i think the pivotal point like the last good show from when i was a kid was um good luck charlie and it was good i love that show and i really need to rewatch it i'm just not ready to feel depressed about that one but the last of the shows that were good was like Sweet Life on Deck, Wizards of Waverly Place, uh, Good Luck Charlie, Hannah Montana. Those were like the last of the shows. Then it immediately hopped into, you know, you had like this beautiful, perfect show that was a Sweet Life on Deck. And then after that ended, Debbie Ryan immediately went into um, working on her role of uh, Jesse. And then that show is just a trash fire like it is awful wait it wasn't dumpster fire there we go it is awful like the jokes are just yeah and just it was crazy it was crazy and that was like in the era where it started getting okay i mean i didn't do it was coming into play um Austin Alley was kind of around during that, and I haven't rewatched it, but I just remember it being like really, really cheesy. Um, but you start getting into this whole thing where now everything wasn't as funny. Uh, and I mean, even I was laughing my ass off at Sweet Life on Deck and Wizards of Waverly Place show jokes. I watched Jesse, and I'm like, oh my god, no. Even as a like 10 year old kid, 9 year old, no, 10 or 11 year old kid, I was like, oh, this is kind of not that good. So, I don't know what happened. I mean, I guess they had to be more PC because it was corporate bullshit. But, 
God, it, it takes you like a sucker punch. It takes you out when you finish watching those. And then, don't even get me started. I've been watching the movies again. Like, I just finished watching Princess Protection Program today. That movie is a fucking masterpiece. Like, a show about a witness protection program for princesses. It sounds so stupid, but it's so heartwarming and beautiful and perfect. And I just cannot fathom how you go from stuff like that to I built a boy or how to build the perfect boy or invisible sister. And you're like, wow, you're so good at your job. You really know how to relate to the kids because, you know, seven-year-old Debbie Dooley. No, that's from Good Luck Charlie. Seven-year-old Betsy Schmetzi down the street is totally interested in building a robot boy. No, no, nobody cares about that. Go back to the shows in the movies that matter. You know, like Camp Rock. <laughs> Badass, you know. They're going to this camp to learn how to be better musicians, and then they end up getting a record deal if they win. That's awesome. Camp Rock 2, oh, they're battling, trying to make sure that this foreign fucking, I guess, capitalistic camp is put in its place because it's not worried about the soul of the music or whatever, which I think is a really, really great viewpoint and commentary on how the, you know, production of pop music is now versus what it used to be. I mean, pop music was still kind of, you know, stupid back then, but at least it had a little bit more heart than it does now. Totally different topic. I'll go into pop music later. But you have, like, these perfect shows. Like, Lemonade Mouth. Oh, my God. That was, like, that's the one, one of the few Disney movies that my dad loves. Like, we fucking, he listens to, like, Determinate off of that. Like, Really? That was perfect. Like, and then you just fuck it up. Then you go into this whole shitty era. Like, Girl Meets World. Okay, I love Boy Meets World. But Girl Meets World did so poorly that they started stealing complete um, story arcs. And started stealing complete ideas and episodes from Boy Meets World and put it in. Like, The Cabin. Girl Meets Cabin. Oh! <gasps> You mean the cabin where Corey fucked up his relationship with Topanga with the innkeeper? <gasps> What's gonna happen? I nothing. Nothing interesting happened. Like I think Lucas, the dude, had to choose between Riley and Maya. Or Maya had to choose between Lucas and Riley. Something along those lines. It wasn't gay. It was like Maya friendship and Bullshit. It was awful. Okay. It wasn't funny. The uh, Augie sucked. Okay. He was annoying. Like, you went into this whole era of everything just went bad. Everything could have, that could have went bad, went bad with it. I mean, stuck in the middle. I mean, I've seen a couple episodes, so it's eh, okay. But it's just, you have all these ideas that just suck. They just really suck. And it's like they're trying to compete with themselves for what they made in the past. Like Hannah Montana, dude, flawless. It was amazing. It was a beautiful, beautiful show. Hilarious. Fucking the chemistry was amazing. Everything about it was perfect. And then fucking 
I didn't do it. Or stupid, what's one that they've been airing lately? I don't know. You know, what is also crazy is that they'll have those random, you know, inspirational parts where things will change completely. Like, you know, they have uh, backstage where it was like a whole school dedicated to the arts and stuff. That was good. That had drama. That had everything. There's apparently the high school musical, the musical, the show. Now, I was a huge high school musical fan. I watched one and two religiously. I have a baseball that is themed around it that I have in my room. If I can. Sorry. It's somewhere in my room. But, like, I love that. But I've never, I, I don't know. I'm. I'm kind of curious about what the show is because it's apparently like breaking the fourth wall or whatever. I don't know. But like you make shows like these that are just like blatant ripoffs from what they used to be. You know, and I guess I can say the same thing because like, you know, Beauty and the Beast they made. The live action was badass. Okay. I love that. But I mean, the same could be said. I just, I don't know what happened to the era. You know, like it, it, it just lost. All of it. Like all the charm and everything. And maybe it's because I am older now. Or maybe it's because I can genuinely see. Oh they're not really concerned about. Making quality children's entertainment anymore. So. Whatever. But no I just don't know why it hurts so bad. I I still think it's just like that nostalgic. Melancholy where you're mourning. Where it's like okay bye bye childhood. Now you're dead. Like you know the last. Uh. Uh. Ishbano uh, Utusis that you'll ever hear. You know, you're like, oh, well, magic's done. And then the final, you know, oh, you graduated seven C's high. And it's like, mm, wonder what we're going to do. And it's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe just, you know, become really good actors and do shit that's artsy and stuff, but not go back to the characters that were. Because, interesting enough, I looked it up. They apparently, Cody and, Cody, (laughs) Dylan and Cole Sprouse apparently were executive producers on the show. And they decided, oh, okay, so here is what we're doing. You know, here's like the idea, here's the plot and everything. Disney was like, "Mm, we're not feeling that, we don't want to do that. And they're like, oh, okay. So then like four or five months later, they're in a meeting with like Selena Gomez. And I'm guessing it was something along the lines of, Maybe a Wizards and Sweet Life collab. I don't know. Just like they did with the stupid Lab Rats and Mighty Med. God damn it. I'm going to get me started on that. But um, they went in. Disney was talking to like, here's our great idea. And they fucking jacked their idea from them. And Dylan and Cole said, yeah, we laughed in their faces and walked out. And I was like, oh, you piece of shit, Disney. If you would just use their idea when they pitched it to you, we would have more, you know, Sweet Life on Deck or Sweet Life in College or something, you know, like Say by the Bell did or Boy Meets World did. But no, you had to fuck it up. Naturally, you know, that's that's all that matters. But, dude, I don't know. I just I'm passionate about this because I'm watching this and I'm like, these are beautiful. And why did we not get more of it? I mean, three seasons. That's it of a show. Three seasons? Really? Why not? Really? We can't get a little bit more. You know, we've been with them since, you know, Sweet Life is Zack and Cody. 
and now we're with them through high school and you're not going to give it to the people that you know grew up watching them you're not going to give them that you know joy of having them as they go into college but you're perfectly fine jacking their idea and then you lost them great job dumbasses and then wizards i mean given i think a lot of that was selena gomez because she decided oh I am an adult now and I can do what I want and then proceeded to go and do spring breakers. And it's like, oh, well, you just alienated your entire fucking career as a entertainer for kids or whatever. I don't know. Apparently, David Henry and her were talking about in 2018, talking about a possible uh, reboot of it. But we're in quarantine now, so I don't know what the hell they're thinking is going to happen. But yeah, that's what I've been doing all week. Doing that and trying to make sure the goddamn squirrels don't eat my fucking garden plants because they keep killing shit. And then today I found a worm. Fucking worm was munching on my broccoli plants. And I'm like, oh, I didn't kill him. I just flicked them to the side because it pissed me off. But it's like, mmm, that's cool. But yeah, I mean, I cleaned my room today. Have a new setup. Uh, music. Uh, I've got a new single coming out next Friday titled Norco with. A real rapper, uh, Josiah Davis. Um, I'm really excited about that. I'm super hyped about it. You know, I have no idea how the reception is going to be on it. Uh, usually, the more emotional tracks I've discovered don't really get played as much because they're not like a banger or whatever. But I really enjoy it. I think it goes well, and it's a concept song about what a what it was like being on opiates. Uh, not even just, you know, for fun, but doing it because, you know, my fucking jaw hurt because I had my wisdom teeth taken out. And it's it's a cool concept. Um, it talks about, you know, kind of feeling like I'm completely alone in everything. Um, you know, kind of like, oh, hey, uh, I don't even know if God's listening anymore just because that was how dark it was. And, you know, genuinely, it's a hard thing to feel like God's there a lot of the time. Um, but I make plenty of my own mistakes where I like kind of distance myself from them. So it was just a really cool concept. And Josiah did really well on his delivery with it. Lyrical content, uh, I probably would have liked a little bit of a darker feel to it, but you know, it was his interpretation of the song. So it was cool. Um, but I got that coming out. Uh, I've only got two more songs to record for burning my debut, uh, 10 song album. Uh, all the writing is complete for it, which is insane, but I'm super excited. The song I'm most excited for everybody to hear is 1011 off the album. It is the most emotional song that, like, I listen to it and I start to cry because I was crying when I wrote it and I was crying while, well, not crying while recording it, but I don't know. I'm just really excited about that. Um, what other releases are supposed to be coming out? Uh, I know Colorblind from Austin, Texas, uh, they apparently have a single that they're working on that I'm excited to hear. Uh, Aaron Alba just dropped a song called Empires. Uh, that one's actually pretty good, too. Um, love the beat. It's got, like, a funky feel to it. Uh, oh, Boys of Fall released their next or their newest single, which I'm guessing is off of their album, their next album, the follow-up to their 2000. 18 yes 2018 album better moments uh so their third studio album uh i'm just 
I haven't listened to theirs. Dead Lakes on Sharp Tone Records. I started listening to them back in 2018 uh, with 18 weeks. Uh, and they were on like a full sale stage. And I don't think they were even playing my date, but I just really enjoyed listening to it. Um, they released one called New Languages, I believe. Yeah, New Languages. Uh, they just dropped that. And uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to them, but it sounds really good. Um, next week, I am probably going to do a review on the entirety of Tiny Meat Gang, which for those of you that don't know is Cody Ko, the Viner, and Noel Miller, the Viner, now YouTubers, now comedians, now rappers, uh, their entire career going on it because they got some bangers, especially on their album Bangers and Ass. Uh, that, that was a really bad pun. And I, I, I will take a slap from anybody for that but anyway uh probably gonna review that next week maybe i'll end up going into the whole entirety of issues uh which is a metalcore band i don't even know how to describe them. i say metalcore but there's there's a lot more than that but uh they're like one of my favorite puberty bands and like in 2014 yeah about 2014 and uh started listening to them and i was like holy shit and then just loved them and loved them and loved them and loved them actually they were the final band i crowd surfed to at the very final warp tour in 2018 in san antonio texas and uh i crowd surfed to coma their lead single off of their 2000 2016 release headspace which was their sophomore album and oh shit it's so good i forgot how good it is but um you know what comment below on the instagram post uh i get really irritated uh and this is going to be a little mini rant with it but um i get really irritated when people listen or like they follow you and like they'll look at your story or they'll like your posts or whatever with it and i mean that helps a little bit but they don't actually try any of the stuff that you're doing so like or if you're like hey leave a comment below about you know what you think what do you want to hear what are you looking for and then they're just like like I heard it. And you're like, oh, um, thank you, but uh, that's not what I asked. But, you know, that's cool. I don't care at all. Um, yeah, I guess it's kind of petty to say that anyway, but that's just kind of the point where I was like, oh, shit. Because, like, everybody voted on the poll, but then only one uh, for, like, what album? But then when I was like, oh, who's ready for the album? Or album? <laughs> who's ready for the podcast? It was, like, one person. And shout out Chloe for it. Um, thank you so much. Uh, you're the best uh, sister-in-law I could ever have. Um, I love you guys. Thank you for the support. But she was the only person. As of now, look, I'll even I'll take a look right now, and I'll tell you if it's uh, if more people have done it, then I will bite my tongue. But I uh, I have a feeling, mm -mm, not a whole lot. Uh oh. Okay, I bite my tongue. A couple other people liked it, so. But I mean, that doesn't mean anything either, because like with music or whatever, music you have to have a certain feel. But I mean, I have like, this isn't even a brag. Like I have 132 followers, and like, I guarantee, only a few of them listen to it. I guarantee, like maybe. Like, even on Spotify, it tells me I have, like, 40 followers, but I usually only have, 
a few li- uh, listeners, everything, which I take any support. And I don't want to sound like that one chick off of Twitch who was like talking about like, oh my god, if you have time to watch Twitch, then you have the time to pay ten dollars to me because uh, this is entertainment. And I don't, I'm not trying to be like that. Um, just kind of baffling because like when I follow an artist, I'm guilty of it sometimes. And if I don't listen to their stuff enough i will unfollow people because i'm like that's not really fair to you like i like your stuff but i'm not actually listening to you but when i follow somebody i'm usually like okay i'm gonna listen to your stuff and that's the end of it so just a little different i'm I'm not a part of this whole instagram social media generation like i am and i use them but i'm not a part of it per se i don't understand all the concepts but Anyway, yeah, next week uh, I'm hoping to, you know, dive a little bit more into, um, you know, music that I really dig and that kind of shows a difference. Because, you know, I've been doing like pop and rap stuff. I'm ready to dive into fucking like issues and I want to dive into the history of that because there's so much history. Like the front men are from woe is me and woe is me was on Rise Records and Rise Records also had issues and then. The singer left what was me and they got a new there's so much and it is insane like there are guest appearances on other albums from members from what was me then there's a whole convoluted history with like what happened with what was me and then all with issues like i just want to dive into it i i really do like i'm real. i'm probably going to do that next week because that's going to fill up a lot more time and that's stuff i'm way more knowledgeable on um yo that's another one uh five for five fest uh a stay-at-home festival where you watch on facebook or whatever or youtube um happening on may 15th uh friday don brocco is playing the entire set they're my boys they're my boys i love them to death i got to meet them they recognized me even after a like year and a half gap between me seeing them they remembered me and who I was in the exact show I was in, or I was at, saw it. I got to take pictures. They were awesome. They're playing, and you get to see five bands for five pounds or whatever it transfers to in uh, American money. I don't, I don't know. I'm still kind of confused on it. Like Canadian money is cheaper than U.S. money, but I believe euros like pounds and stuff is more expensive than you know our dollar bill or whatever but uh that's happening and then i think also on may 15th fearless records is doing a live stream where they're having some of the favorite bands uh come on and you know uh talk about new releases do some acoustic sets maybe do full band sets uh signing announcements new merch ways to stay connected everything um i can't I can't think of any other releases that's happening uh, besides, you know, just go listen to Jason's Brooks album. Uh, it's amazing. Cinema 7 by Side Davis and Steven Savage. Mm-hmm. Really solid. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think of those, of the ones on there, let me check it out because I don't want to. I know it's probably really annoying, but um, I like making sure everything is nice and crisp uh standoff like this standoff and like this are probably my favorites off of the album i really enjoyed that um oh 
Issues, speaking of issues, uh, they just released a stripped-down version, acoustic version, of their lead single from their 2019 release, Beautiful Oblivion, uh, Tapping Out. And it is amazing. The original version is fucking phenomenal. And then the acoustic one just adds so much more emotion to it. Like, it is... God, I can't... It's crazy. But I think that's about it for new releases. I think that's about it for what I know as shows and stuff that are happening right now. Uh, let me know if you actually want more news. Like, if you guys want... So, first, let me know uh, what you guys think of this one, of this podcast. I know it's a little bit more convoluted, and it's probably going to be a little longer, but... Uh, I was more convoluted because I really didn't know how to put into words iridescence. And then uh, I kind of messed up reviewing Brooks, but I also just kind of gave a quick overview of it. Um, But yeah, let me know what you guys think of this podcast. Um, And uh, let me know if you guys want to hear more news about musicians and stuff like upcoming music shows, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, go give me a follow on Instagram at the real Michael Riccardi and follow me on Spotify, Michael Riccardi as well. Uh, you can also find me on Apple Music and stuff. My music podcast, I'm still trying to figure out. I think I'm just going to buy a Tiny Meat Gang uh, Ajit Pie on iTunes because you have to purchase something. And I think I'm just going to do that so that way I can upload everything to you know, the podcast on there. But um, yeah, give me a follow on there. Keep up to date. I got the new release dropping next friday and pre-orders are up now when this podcast goes up i'm recording this on friday and it is releasing on sunday so go give it a listen uh go pre-order it and if you show me the receipt on instagram uh of you pre-ordering it or showing that you um pre-saved it uh i'll probably give a few listeners um the first listen to it i'll let you guys have a taste but yeah, I hope you guys are staying safe during everything. Remember, just be smart about everything. Still wear masks. Don't be dumbasses and ignore social distancing rules. And kind of stay at home. You know, I know we're in Texas. I know a lot of people here are just going to be like my friends listening to this. Just stay at home. All right? It's it's not smart. China had a second wave that came through that was even worse than the first wave because they did this. Just be smart. See how all the morons that are like, you know, breathing in each other's faces and licking doorknobs. Let them, uh, you know, see how they do with it and then judge based on that. But, yeah, anyway, just stay safe. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening in. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can, uh, hopefully I can tighten up everything a little bit more on the next one. But thank you guys for listening, and uh, I will... Talk to you all next week. Later.